Hello and welcome to the Law Life Balance podcast with me, your host, Caitlin McPhee. The Law Life Balance podcast is here to help drive much needed change in the legal industry. We all know that lawyer well-being is at an all-time low and mental well-being is a particular concern. Sadly, one in 10 lawyers under 30 globally are experiencing thoughts of suicide and that is just not okay. But all is not lost. There are so many incredible people out there fighting to make the legal industry a happier and more sustainable place to work. And it is my mission to track them down and interrogate them on this podcast. So in season one, I'm speaking to thought leaders in the legal mental wellbeing space about what we can do to make lawyers' lives that little bit, or even a lot, better. All your kind of spontaneity was removed. Like if you booked a table in the library, you were like sat at that table for three hours, couldn't really get up and talk to other people. You didn't really know if your friends were also going to be there. So I definitely missed the kind of human interaction that came with our previous uni experience that I had in first year. I think in terms of equipping myself being a trainee, what I'm worried about the most is knowing when and how to ask the right question Mm. at the right time. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This week, I've got a really special guest for you and someone who's a little bit different from the guests that I ordinarily have on this podcast. So this week, I'm speaking to Lucy Cole, a very recent university graduate, having just achieved a first in her degree and a soon to be trainee of Clifford Chance. I really wanted to speak to Lucy to get her insight over what it was like to be a final year university student during the pandemic the impact that that had on her well-being, and ultimately how she's now feeling about going into what can be an extremely competitive and highly pressured career. Lucy's clearly spent quite a lot of time working out what works for her, and it was really interesting for me to also learn and think with hindsight about some of the things that I know I could have done a lot better at university, just how she goes about juggling her very busy schedule and keeping herself well. For those of you who don't know, Lucy also runs a very successful Instagram platform called Lucy Does Law, where she provides information and guidance to other law students on their journey towards becoming lawyers. I loved this conversation with Lucy, and I think there's value in it for everybody, but especially for anybody who's still a law student or feeling remotely anxious about stepping into the world of being a trainee solicitor. Without further ado, this is Lucy. Hey, Lucy, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Amazing. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here. And thank you so much for taking the time. I know you've been extremely busy lately. I think the majority of people um, will already know quite well who you are. But for those who don't and don't have a clue what you've been up to, could you just give us a brief kind of introduction to Lucy um, and all the things you've been up to lately? Yeah, so I am now a law graduate from the University of Exeter. I literally graduated a couple of days ago. So fresh Congratulations. Out <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I'm a future trainee solicitor at Clifford Chance. I'm currently on my six months off that I've taken before starting my LPC. I'm actually currently working at the firm in their HR and careers marketing team. Um, alongside all that kind of law, I also run a legal Instagram page. Um, And I volunteer for a charity called Grow Mentoring, which is all about kind of increasing diversity and accessibility to the legal profession. So nice. Busy, busy lady you are. (laughs) Um, And I can confirm that because I kind of keep up to date with all of your activities on Instagram. Um, But I suppose the first thing that I wanted to really discuss with you, which I think is really important and will resonate with a lot of people, is 
the experience of being a law student during the pandemic um, and particularly a finals final year student so how was that experience for you it was really strange um, I think looking back on it about half of my degree or just over half of my degree was done online so we actually went into kind of online learning in March of 2020 no yeah is that correct yeah. yeah March of 2020 and didn't come out until June of 2021 so my whole second year exams and my final year exams were all done online from home, which was a big change because those are the ones that actually count towards your degree. So I think yeah. it was quite unsettling at first to have done that first year kind of fully in person, sat my first year exams in the big exam hall, to then do like the actual ones that counted to, to be the ones that were affected, to be the ones that were online, to be the ones mm. that had virtual learning surrounding them. I actually think at first, there was some kind of weird novelty to online learning, kind of being at home, being able to be in your pyjamas. It was quite funny when like a lecturer just had their dog in the background of what their guinea pigs into lectures. Like <laughs> it was all kind of fun and games at the start. And then I think after a while, once you realised, oh, this situation is continuing and actually my university anyway decided basically not to go back to face-to-face teaching, even mm-hmm. when it was allowed at the start of kind of September, October, it was quite a shock and actually the novelty of wearing pyjamas to lectures ran off a little bit wasn't as fun anymore and seminars weren't interactive I really missed going into law school and chatting to everyone we were still able to kind of access the facilities at university we could book slots but all your kind of spontaneity was removed like if you booked a table in the library you were like sat at that table for three hours couldn't really get up and talk to other people you didn't really know if your friends were also going to be there so I definitely missed the kind of human interaction that came with our previous uni experience that I had in first year. Yeah, absolutely. That was the next point I was going to raise, actually, is, I mean, it's it's very different trying to maintain relationships through a screen, right? And so what was the impact of that on your friendships and your social life? How did that impact you personally? I think I was really lucky that I had quite a few friends who were law students. so when seminars weren't very interactive or very engaging, I could at least be direct messaging my friends who were also in the same seminar or we'd jump on a call afterwards and discuss face-to-face in our own time. So I think that really helped me get through it. But seminars, I definitely found so tough because just no one turned their videos on and no one wanted to participate. And you kind of don't want to be that person that turns on their video first, just in case no one else does. And it's just you and the lecturer. And like, you know, in, in the nerdiest way possible I love contributing in seminars but like when no one else is and everyone else is sat with a black screen like I'm not going to be the one mm. to turn it on um so that was that was really hard I think yeah absolutely I can imagine it's, it's tough isn't it because it's kind of like that herd mentality thing um and whilst you can not want to be influenced by it as much as possible um ultimately everybody is to some extent because we're social creatures and I suppose from your perspective, um, how did you how did you feel that impacted your studies? I mean, I, I happen to know that you still did incredibly well, which is, you know, kudos to you because I, I don't know that I could have done um, that whole situation. I think I'd have found that incredibly difficult. But how did you find the motivation and the drive to still, still do that, still put the time in and ultimately get the results that you did? I think it was quite a big mindset shift 
I definitely found the first term of my final year really, really tough. I yeah, it was it was really hard. But I think by the time I got to the end of December, January time, so going into like my final term at university, because term three and extra is just exams. So like mm-hmm. term two is like your last bit of teaching. As I was going into that, I really had a wake up call that was just like, this situation isn't changing. Like but I think previously I was so anti online learning. I was unwilling to actually like engage with it and learn from it because I was just like, I don't want to do this. Like I'm paying so much money to sit on mm-hmm. Zoom for four hours a week. I don't want to learn from this. And it almost, I almost like put a block in my brain that stopped me from like engaging with the course. And then in December, I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like online learning isn't changing. You need to get on with it and actually start, start learning and start engaging with this. Otherwise you're not going to do well in your degree. And I probably needed to go through the kind of, hard first term to actually have that realization just throw myself into it during term two which was hard it was draining but I think previously where your degree had been in person it was quite collaborative even though obviously everyone's doing their own degree there was a lot of teamwork involved in seminars and lots of discussions in person the degree suddenly became very very independent in when it became online mm. um so I think I needed to have a mindset shift that was just like okay you're doing this degree for yourself it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing or saying because you're not involved with them anymore you just need to do what works for you best and I just kind of restructured my week and worked out how I could benefit from online learning the most and then in kind of term two really managed to kind of get on with it with a new mindset which was really good and I think helped me achieve the results that I did yeah that's so powerful and I you know it's everything that I preach in terms of the fact that ultimately everything in life is your responsibility and you create your own reality with your mindset and you've just really clearly demonstrated there the power of just deciding that you're going to make a positive situation out of what's going on in front of you when I know it would have been probably a lot easier to just go I don't want to do this anymore this sucks um I give up (laughs) so well done Um, and that's I mean that that's incredible and I, I hope it's very inspiring to a, a lot of other people I'd be interested to know then how that this whole experience impacted your personal life so did you find how did you find it kind of making the distinction or drawing a line between working and learning on online at home and then having some time for yourself did you have to be quite strict with that or what was your process yeah it was quite strange because I moved out of my student house and moved back into my family home um, mm. online learn from home because the wi-fi better I didn't want to be in a house with other law students I think it would have been quite stressful if all of us were all together living together online learning so we went back to our family homes um, which was weird because both my parents working from home my brother is also a student he was studying from home so I think kind of there was a working day in my house which mm. I think really helped me focus on studying because everyone else was kind of working like nine until five thirty, six o'clock ish um so it was quite nice to kind of have some kind of I guess consensus in the house of like working hours which mm. was quite helpful for studying um law degrees are quite intense though so I massively caveat that with the fact that I was studying quite early in the morning and sometimes quite late at night I'd be working until like 10 11 p.m if I had big deadlines but I think time, I'm a massive timetabler. I just find it so helpful for everything. So I would just timetable my week um, and find that really, really useful to kind of set working time and set life time. And 
actually sometimes I would just build rather than work nine till five and then relax in the kind of morning and evening I found it nicer to put personal time throughout the day because when you're online learning just staring at a screen all day I mean it's probably the same as work it's just so much all at once and to do that repetitively it's just a horrible cycle so for me to put in like an hour and a half at lunchtime to take the dog on a long walk and to have lunch outside maybe if it was a nice day and like relax then and then go back to work was really nice also going for walks in the morning was a lifesaver for me like I'd call it my fake commute I'd like mm-hmm. to go for a walk around the block and then come back home and then start work just to kind of clear my head in the morning and have that time to myself was really really important that why I wasn't waking up and looking at my phone straight away and seeing uni emails coming through like I don't want to see that when I first wake up in the morning okay. when I have that going on all day so it was a case of reading a book for half an hour going for a nice walk having a nice breakfast and then getting to my desk and making sure that I've kind of set up my day for myself and not for uni I think made quite a big difference in terms of my work-life balance Absolutely. Yeah. I, I resonate so much with that. And I could promise you work is exactly the same. You know, if you're sat in front of a computer for hours on end, morning till late at night, it is not a fun place to be. Um, and I wonder then, obviously you're starting your training contract at Clifford Chance in what, a year? August. Yeah. August. Yeah. yeah. So you've got a nice six months out, which I'm so glad you've done. I did that. and It was the best decision I ever made. Um, and then, yeah, starting your training contract then, by which time we all hope life will be a little bit more back to normal. So how are you feeling about the prospect of going in as a trainee if you've kind of found this balance that works for you? Do you have any concerns about what life might be like as a trainee? And also, have you thought about how you're going to try and keep that balance for you in terms of your life and your work? That's a good question. I think I'm very aware that my life is going to change a lot when I become a trainee and I'm also very aware of the hours that I'm going to be working. Obviously I have never experienced what it will be like to be mm. a trainee and working kind of long hours on repeat. Um, I know what could happen <laughs> when I get at the firm. So I'm going in with, I like to think that like, I kind of know what I'm getting myself into, even though I haven't experienced it yet. I think in terms of establishing that balance, mornings are just so important to me. Mm. And luckily, kind of the legal world doesn't quite start until like 9.30ish. So I'm really fortunate in that way that I'm going into a career where I can take a morning to read and have time for myself before going to work, which is kind of what I do at the moment because I'm working at Paper Chance now and I'm commuting to the office. But I still have time to read a book in the morning, have a coffee in the morning by myself and then kind of go to work, which is nice. And I think as long as I can keep my morning to myself and set my day up right whatever happens during the rest of the day will kind of be okay as long as I've taken that time at the start that's always really important for me and like non-negotiable really in terms of like keeping that work-life balance going I think balance in law is a different question because it's not like you work you know work for eight hours party for eight hours sleep for eight hours it's just unrealistic but I think if I can try and take weekends to relax and enjoy the quieter times as much as I can then hopefully that balance will just naturally fit but I appreciate that there'll be some weeks where it's harder than others I think Mm. it's about that flexibility piece right and also having that level of autonomy to be able to decide what what you need and do that um, and set those boundaries ultimately which I know can be a scary thing to do at first but ultimately you're in control of your own life and I think you've already demonstrated in this past year how important it is to set your schedule up in a way that works for yourself 
it sounds like you're already on a on a very good track I wonder what would be I suppose if I could ask you what would be your ideal day as a trainee in terms of finding that absolute level of balance that would make you feel great but also satisfied at work satisfied in life talk me through that day what would it look like oh gosh that's a good question um I think a quiet morning just to myself um before I get to work commuting I don't mind I like listening to podcasts or music on the tube it always puts me in a good mood so very happy to get on the tube and commute to the office get to the office for 9 30 I would have already have had breakfast by then I can't be one of those people that has breakfast in the office if I don't have breakfast when I wake up I'll be in the worst mood ever all day <laughs> so I'd have already eaten by the time I get to the office and I know this is an unrealistic thing but ideally I don't like having meetings in my morning because I work better in the morning it's where I'm more focused so if I have big tasks to do I would way rather get them done straight away in the morning first thing when I get into the office and then when my concentration dips that's when I can kind of do meetings and chat because it kind of keeps me engaged so in my dream law firm life I'm not doing meetings in the morning and then I'm just working hard and then going out for lunch going outside and getting lunch outside of the office is really important to me. That's what I do at the moment at Clifford Chance. And I just like walking out of the office, going through a park, seeing some green spaces, getting lunch somewhere else, sitting outside in the park if I can, and just being in a different environment, even if it's for half an hour, makes a huge difference to my day. So getting outside at lunchtime is great for me. I just don't fancy lunch in the office because I've been working in there all day. Mm. Um, and I'd come back to the office maybe do like three hours of work and then maybe take a break and do some exercise, which I'm very lucky at Clifford Chance I can do in the office. It's made very, very easy for me. Um, if I can kind of do something that takes my mind away from work, even again for half an hour, 40 minutes, that would be great. Then get back to work, potentially have dinner in the office. I'm not really late night working. I know when it builds up can be a pain, but if I have to have dinner in the office, that's fine. Um, or I'll log off whenever work's finished and go home and have dinner at home and relax at home. But I think as long as I have regular breaks built into my day and I, I can get outside during my day, then that's fine. I'm kind of ready for whatever hits me around that. Mm, amazing. To be honest, that doesn't sound unrealistic, apart from maybe the meetings in the morning thing, just mm -hmm. at trainee level. But I think as you get more senior, you are more able to set those expectations. I would say though, it's probably, there's probably absolutely no harm in having that chat with your supervisor to say, FYI, on an ideal day, I'd like to not have meetings in the morning, but obviously absolutely fine if I have to. I think we shy away so often from, from saying those things because we're afraid of, you know, what the consequence might be or the other person might think or feel. But ultimately, how can anybody make things the way that work for you if they don't know what those things are? So yeah, I mean, it's amazing that you already have such a good idea of what that would look like. Um, something else that we haven't covered yet, which I think would be really interesting to cover is why law? What was the driver behind that? Yeah, I think I've always wanted to be a lawyer, which sounds really sad. Like <laughs> in my year eight, like Lever's book that I had to do, I literally wrote that my dream career would be being a property lawyer. And wow. actually I want to go into real estate. So I'm, I'm saying quite true to my year eight <laughs> self. Um, but I think constantly throughout kind of my life going through school, I was always very interested in drama and theatre, also academia. They've kind of always ran parallel. I was I loved, loved books, quite good at essay writing, 
good at researching things, but I also loved performing on stage. I was in my element, singing a song, doing a little dance um, and getting up on stage, putting on a costume and having fun. I absolutely loved doing that. So I just Lord was a good amalgamation of those two things. Eventually I got involved in kind of courtroom drama stuff. Mm. Um, absolutely loved being a barrister and presenting in a courtroom. I was just in my element kind of doing the kind of stuff that you do at law schools, like negotiations, client interviews. I love that kind of stuff, like the performative work where you're putting on an act to be a professional mm-hmm. person who everyone wants to be, but you're, you're not really kind of the interviewer that you always make yourself out to be. But I like to pretend that I could be. <laughs> so I think law kind of just became that perfect in-between of mm. kind of my nerdy self and my dramatic, confident performing self. It just, yeah, it was a good mixture. Yeah, lovely. It's another really nice example of just finding that balance between all of the different things that you love, isn't it? Um, and I wonder whether, is that also slightly the driver behind your Instagram account is, you know, or not not the driver, but it's something that you feel very comfortable with, clearly, is kind of being a face and a voice. What was the reason behind setting that up? So I set up Lucy Does Law in my first year, in April 2019, but I was definitely procrastinating from my from revising my first year exam. <laughs> it was definitely a, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want to revise, but I have nothing else to do. But I have an Instagram account. So I decided to set one up. Um, and it was basically to share with other people information on what going into law is actually like. Because I was totally overwhelmed when I started at university in my first year. And everyone around me just seemed to know exactly what they were doing and I hadn't really gone to a school where we had like solicitors come and talk and say oh like you do your LPC and then you know here are the top law firms and here's Mm -hmm. what it's like working at them or here's what a barrister does like I didn't really know in much detail the difference between the solicitor and a barrister I was just like I want to be a lawyer so everyone else seemed to know what was going on I didn't even know the LPC was a thing like Mm. I was shocked that I wasn't going to walk out of university as a qualified lawyer with such a job in the legal industry. Like, I just thought, you know, doing a qualifying law degree, surely you become a qualified lawyer. So I created my Instagram account just to kind of, I guess, spread awareness and support for other students who are in that same position who, massive culture shock going to uni and doing law. Also, networking with firms suddenly when you're like an 18-year-old within your first three weeks in a new university in a new city, suddenly have law firms being like, oh yeah you know apply to us this is what we'll give you here's some nice wine here's some canapes Mm. like what a crazy environment just to be thrust in from the start so that's why I started Lucy Does Law just to kind of I guess document what was going on as a law student um it's kind of evolved now into giving application advice interview Mm. tips I was very lucky to have been successful in my first application cycle so I could talk quite early on about what I found help, helpful, what wasn't helpful, how I researched law firms. I just share my experiences so hopefully more students from more universities can kind of get the help that I luckily got um, at Exeter. I was very priv- privileged to go to Exeter, but I appreciate that not everyone is. So mm. I really like to be able to use my platform to reach other students and kind of just like help them along the way in whatever way that I can. Mm, beautiful. That's amazing. I think it's just so important that you know when things go well for you you do what you can to share that with other people and help them along the way because as we know it's a really hard and challenging profession to get into it's super competitive I resonate so much with what you said about not having a clue about law and how it all worked 
I mean, the only advice that I was given was by a lawyer friend of my mum's study anything but law at university. And then if you still want to be a lawyer, you can always do that later. So, so that's what I did. I studied French. And then when I graduated, it's like, hang on a minute. Nobody told me that I also then had to do another year of a basically whole degree and then an LPC and then a training. Wait, what? So I didn't do it. And I took two years after university thinking, well, I saw that for Game of Soldiers. I'm not doing it. Um, by which time I realized that everything else was boring and I did still want to be a lawyer and want the challenge, et cetera. So I buckled up and got, got down to it. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're so right. There is this kind of veil that you have to lift up and unravel everything that's underneath it. And it's a lot of work. It's a huge, huge commitment. So it's really, really amazing that you're helping other people kind of see through that veil early on. Um, how do you balance now having your Instagram account, which is busy, right? It's a big commitment with everything else that you're doing. I think I get asked this question a lot. And I think my Instagram has never been something that I've had to overly commit to dedicating time to because it's just always gone along with my life. Mm. So my Instagram account doesn't really mean anything if I'm not studying. It doesn't really mean anything if I'm not kind of interacting with law firms. It doesn't really mean anything if I'm not working in a law firm. I think it's kind of progressed throughout time. I think people are just generally interested in my life right now, which is fine. Mm. But my life is quite legal based, really. Um, and I can't really create content without doing what I do day to day anyway so it kind of just like fits quite naturally into my life and it's not a huge priority for me Mm. which I think is a good thing and like I feel bad saying that because like of course anyone who follows my account I want to dedicate time to my account and it means a lot to me that people get involved and like working with brands I really love it but social media is just not my my priority in life and I think that makes it very easy to run my Instagram account because I only do it for fun and yeah. I'm not, not putting any pressure on myself to post because no one else, there's no pressure surrounding Instagram. It's my own account. If I don't want to post on it, I won't post on it. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it just fits in very nicely. It's quite easy to balance. Yeah, that seems very healthy. I agree. I think it's really easy to get very wrapped up in it, especially with the, I mean, we've all read about the endorphin boost you get with all the likes and the engagement from people. And it can be quite easy to get sucked in. I think it's amazing you've managed to still kind of hold those healthy boundaries in place for yourself do you do you have a vision for it going forwards obviously life is going to change somewhat for you um when you get to cliff a chance as a trainee I mean obviously over the next year you'll still be studying so that, that makes sense but have you thought that far ahead do you think it's something that you will continue and if so what might the aims behind it be at that point I don't see an end point to Lucy does law so yes yeah, I hopefully mm-hmm. it will continue um I think I I hope I can document as much as I can what I do as a trainee. Yeah. There are some things that I don't think will change. For example, I can still give out application tips. I can still give out interview tips no matter what time of year it is. Yeah. So that won't change just because I become a trainee. But I really hope that I'll be able to share what I get up to on a day-to-day basis. Obviously, massively caveated by confidentiality reasons mm. and I might not be able to say much. But if I can say, like, I you know, nine until... 12, I was reviewing a document about X or I don't know I don't know what I'll be able to say and what I won't be able to say but I'm I'm very fortunate that Clifford Chance are very very supportive of Lucy Does Law as a brand and as yeah. an account so I'm hoping that 
something will work itself out but my account has just always just gone with the flow I've never had a set plan for it and it's always kind of worked out so I'll see what happens um but it's nice like at the time at the moment they're very happy for me to kind of vlog my day and produce content on that I filmed an office tour that they're very happy for me to kind of release into the world so we'll see what happens I'm lucky that they're supportive so I'll be interested in kind of seeing what happens when I become a trainee yeah absolutely just leave it to be something organic that kind of takes its Mm -hmm. own course um slightly different topic but something else I wanted to to ask you is and this comes from conversations that I've been having with a few people which is there's a view at the moment that there is a gap in legal education in equipping young lawyers with the skills that they need to thrive at work. So, you know, you get taught the black letter law, you understand, you know, the basics of negotiation and advocacy, everything that you need to be a lawyer, you hopefully get taught. But what about how to thrive at work as a human being? What was your experience of that like at university? And do you have any concerns going into the law about other things that you might have needed a bit more support with up front? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I wasn't worried about it until I left uni. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think it really hit me because you're kind of in this nice, very nice old bubble doing your law degree or whatever degree you decided to do at university. And it's all kind of okay. You just need to kind of like write analytical essays and it's all fine. Um, and then actually starting work in a law firm even though I'm not actually working in law directly right now Mm. I was yeah it was a big shock to be going from like I guess like 9 30 to 6 set days and to work out how to email people correctly like even tiny tiny things like working out when someone's on the phone when they're talking to you or when they're just like talking to their self at their desk I found Mm. that I was just saying hello to everyone who was saying hello and then realized after a while they weren't talking to me. <laughs> they were talking to like themselves or a colleague or like they were on the phone. Um, so just like of general office stuff like that, I found to be quite a big shock. Mm. I think in terms of equipping myself being a trainee, what I'm worried about the most is knowing when and how to ask the right question mm. at the right time. Mm. Because, you know, I don't want to be a burden or be a stress to any of like my supervisors. But I also don't want to just do work without kind of knowing what I'm doing or, you know, getting to a point where I need to ask a question, but not feeling like it's the right time and just kind of continuing and then doing something wrong, which I feel like would be worse than asking the question in the first place. And it's, I think for me, I'm more worried about that kind of interaction, like working out the right time to ask for help and how to phrase that request and stuff like that could probably, could probably be taught a little bit in law school, I think, or at some point. Yeah. Oh God, absolutely. I had that same concern and that same problem. I think everybody does. Um, And I agree with you completely. It would be so useful to have a bit more guidance around how to actually navigate life as a trainee. You mean you spend six months sat in an office with one other person who is your principal or your supervisor. And it's really difficult actually, because this is a completely random person that you don't know from the next person in the street at first. You don't necessarily know if you're going to get on with them. It's a bit of a potluck situation. And I think there are a lot of things that you can do to maximize the chance of that relationship being positive. Um, The tip that I was given by my first um, principal, which I took with me for the rest of my training contract and was immeasurably helpful, was 
Oh, there are a few things. Number one, try and figure out the answer for yourself before you ask the question. Because if it's something that they are going to respond to with, there's a document all about this on the intranet, or there's an email with this information in, in your inbox, doesn't look that great that you haven't kind of taken the time. So that's point number one. The other one was save up your questions. So unless it's something that you urgently need a response to right now, immediately save them up and ask them in one go, because there is nothing more annoying than somebody being like, Lucy, sorry, Lucy, five minutes later. Oh, Lucy, sorry. One more thing. When you're trying to concentrate on something and nine times out of 10, your supervisor will be doing quite thought heavy work. So that constant interruption, I I can imagine would, would be enough to drive somebody a little bit insane. Um, so yeah, that was, those were the tips that I was given. And uh, to me, I think they were the most useful things. Um, it definitely, definitely helped. I also think that there's a, there's something for me that's missing around feedback, how to receive feedback, how to give feedback. I don't know how you feel about that. What's your view around feedback at the moment? Do you have any concerns? I'm not sure because I don't think I've had to experience getting feedback yeah from anyone yet right so I'm not I would hope I I appreciate that sometimes people are very very busy and might not give you feedback on a piece of work and might just carry it forward without kind of keeping you in the dark but I haven't experienced that yet so I don't think it's something that I'm too overly concerned about right now but I can imagine that it could be something that would concern me further down the line once I started as a trainee Mm, yeah absolutely I mean if I asked you now if I you know we're we're at a firm I'm a principal or supervisor and I've said can you do this piece of work for me and you do it and I come back and it's covered with red pen and I say I think we need to sit down and have a chat can I give you some feedback how do you instantly feel about that situation that doesn't worry me too much amazing that's good I just think like things have to be done a certain way to an extent and also, if you're doing something for the first time, it's not going to be perfect. There are going yeah. to be problems. It's just inevitable. Um, feedback's a great way to learn. So why would I not want to have someone who's like an expert in the field sit down with me and say, this is what you do? Because they're the best people to learn from. So mm. that wouldn't worry me too much. Obviously, if we're like really pressed up against the deadline, I've really messed up something. And, you know, they're really taking too much time out of their day to have to go over something that I could have done better in the first place. That would that would make me feel a little bit rubbish, but I think I'm pretty happy. I'm happy getting feedback. You know, when I was at university, I would always ask for like a follow up call after all my essay feedback, just to even talk through their comments on my essay, just because I like learning from people. Mm. I like to hear it from them directly rather than just like written down on a page if I can. Mm. Um, even with my interviews, even my like my successful ones, I still ask for feedback after them, just because I'm interested in knowing like strong points and weak points and how you know there's always room for improvement so it's always nice to know where you can improve um so receiving feedback in that environment I don't think I'd be too worried about that incredible yeah the reason I asked that question is because lawyers tend to be extreme perfectionists and really don't deal very well with being told that they haven't done something perfectly and need to do it better so it's a, you've answered that incredibly. And I think that's the absolute perfect, healthiest attitude, perfect, uh, that you can have to that question. And so really for anybody listening, I hope that you can see from Lucy's answer that feedback is just inevitable and a completely natural process. 
And ultimately, if you can see it as something which helps you to improve your performance, that can only be a good thing. So I think it's about seeing it as something which is for you and not not against you or not, you know, a criticism, but actually something designed to help you. How do you feel, though, Lucy, about the prospect of giving upwards feedback? So I'm thinking, for example, about a situation where you might be working with somebody and something that they've done hasn't landed well with you or you're finding that you're experiencing a bit of conflict with somebody. How would you feel about raising that in a work situation? I think that's more intimidating yeah. for me, definitely. I'm not one to kind of pick a fight or complain yeah. about things. So um, the thought of kind of, I don't know, escalating something upwards is definitely more nerve wracking. But I guess if it was the right thing to do, then it's the right thing to do. I think for me, it's about establishing like a support network of people. Yeah. So if something is going wrong and I'm worried about escalating it to like the next person up, whoever that may be, it might be a case of talking to like a friend in the firm and saying like I'm you know going through this like what would you do in that situation how would you phrase this mm-hmm. and like getting advice from other people first before yeah. kind of taking the leap myself I'd work out a way for me to kind of complain um but I would be definitely nervous about it mm. do you think there's anything that a firm could do to make that process easier for you and to be more supportive of it I think what I'm really lucky with at Clifford Chance is that I have a graduate development kind of person who sees me through my, the start from the start of my LPC up until qualification. And I've actually met him in the office when I've been working and he's so nice and will, I know already will be incredibly supportive of me through my training contract. So I guess in situations like that, I have him as my first point of contact to say like, mm. I'm struggling with this. What's your advice? And I already know he's a friendly face. Um, I'm very happy to pick up the phone to him. So I think having someone like that in the firm to kind of, who can be your first point of contact, who's not a lawyer, who's you know not, also not a trainee, who's kind of impartial in that respect, but still works in the company and who you've got a long established relationship with. That's a really important person, I think, for me to have in those kind of situations where something's going wrong and you need some advice on how you can kind of deal with something unhappy at work. Some, someone like that is a great yeah. person to have I think absolutely it's the power of a power of a supportive network right and mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter I don't think who that person is as long as you do have somebody that you can go to although ideally as a trainee it's going to be someone in your grad rec or HR teams and I think it's really really important that everybody understands that that is what they're there for that is the purpose of having those teams and so if ever there's something that you're struggling with or that isn't going particularly well or you just have a question to raise it's a confidential environment in which to do that. And it's really important that these things are raised and not kept under wraps and build up and up and up because that's when they explode into bigger problems. Lucy, I've got one more question I want to ask you before we finish up with the rapid fires that I always have at the end of every episode. And that is, do you have any advice right now for current law students or people currently studying and looking for a TC who might be feeling a little bit hopeless and a little bit overwhelmed by everything? If you could have I don't know your top few pieces of advice for them what would it be firstly I would say don't listen to what everyone else is telling you about kind of their routines their journey into law do what makes you happy trust your gut and kind of yes use other people's advice as guidance but don't use it as a blueprint create your own that's okay 
my second piece of advice would be keep an open mind with university and with the legal career. I think it's really important not to just pinpoint yourself and say, well, I think this you know, method works best for me, so I'm going to do it all the time. It might not work for a different module. It kind of might not work in the online environment. What you do online might not work in person. So be open-minded and ready to adapt. That also goes into law. Like I thought I was destined to be a family lawyer when I started at uni. And now I'm going into a massive global corporate law firm. So <laughs> definitely keep an open mind. And I think my final piece of advice would just be to enjoy it. Now I'm graduate, now I've graduated, I can look back on my three years at university and I had so much fun. Um, I could have had more fun, maybe, but I definitely had a lot of fun. So just enjoy the journey because it is really fun and you only get it once, really. So make the most of it. So true. God, uni feels like a long time ago for me. <laughs> it was, <laughs> uh, but I completely agree with all of that. It's definitely about finding out what's right for you. Um, I think it's just one of the most important things we can do to know that ultimately the thing that we've chosen aligns with our values, aligns with our hearts and our minds, um, and is ultimately something we've chosen for ourselves. Because otherwise, at some point, you probably look around you and think, why am I here again? And that's when things get difficult. Thank you. Really great advice. So I always like to finish up the episodes with a series of rapid fire questions. Um, same for everybody all the time. So if you wouldn't mind, I'll do them with you and um, interested to hear your answers to them. Okay, looking forward to it. All right. So Lucy, work-life balance means? Fitting your work around your life and not your life around your work. Love that. That's a different one from all the ones we've had before. I really like it. If you could change one thing about the legal industry what would it be? Appreciate that might be hard to answer right now, but have a go. I would change the way that law firms currently recruit candidates in terms of where they get their pool of candidates from. So at the moment, I think it's a changing because of COVID, but previously law firms picked and kind of choose which universities they were going to be visiting in mm. person, which obviously excluded others. Um, I hope that changes now because things can be done virtually and can be made accessible for everyone. But I think, yeah, the accessibility and outreach um, of recruitment should be changed. Great point. Really important. Love that. Thank you. What are you reading at the moment if you're reading anything that's not law related? I'm reading a book called 84 Charing Cross Road, which is about bookshop. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Why have I heard of that? Maybe I've read it. It's also I don't... a movie. Oh, maybe it's, that's it's why. Well. Yeah, yeah, it might be a film. Mm. What's one new hobby that you'd love to try? I'd love to learn a language if that counts as a hobby. Yeah, for sure. I used to do French and Spanish for GCSE. I did French at AS level um, and I've kind of forgotten it, but I would love to pick up a language again. Mm. Interesting asking CC what they do about that, because I know that um, at my firm we had grants for language learning and then that meant you could also go on a year abroad and do a, this is not a year abroad, gosh, sorry, back in university land now, um, on a secondment. Mm -hmm. um abroad so worth having a look at that mm -hmm. one thing the world needs more of is nice people mm. yeah I agree <laughs> one thing the world needs less of is competitive people <laughs> I just think people who yeah are just competitive and not very nice at least everyone in the world yeah no, that, no that's an interesting that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think the legal industry just naturally is very competitive. It's the way that we are. And in some senses, that makes a good lawyer. 
but I know exactly where you're coming from. It's kind of like being competitive for the sake of it. It's that, mm-hmm. you know, my way or the highway attitude. Yeah, I agree. Money being no object, what's one other career you would have loved to pursue? Drama and mm. theatre, musical theatre. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Right, this one might be hard, so have some time to think about it. A quote or a saying that you love is? If this is such a cliche one, but I gen- I really live by the fact that everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And I hate saying it because it's so cringy, but honestly, I think it's so true. Everything happens for a reason. It does. So that's kind of what I live by. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir here. I really <laughs> also live by that. <laughs> no cliches. Uh, one thing that you do to look after your well-being is? Use my mornings as my own time. Coffee in the morning, reading a book in the morning. Always gets me, sets me up for a good day. Yeah, great. One day that you will never forget is? I think my first year exam results day, because I really struggled through my first year, um, just yeah adapting to university was quite hard and I ended up getting a first in my first year exam I also got a commendation from the dean and I won an award (gasps) from Exeter Law School for being the most promising female of potential um and it was just a huge because I was just expecting like I was aiming for a low two one like I was going for like a 62 would be my dream grade um so kind of getting those results and those awards I was just like whoa like I can actually do a law degree yeah that was a that was a really good day I'll always sounds it incredible perhaps the the moment that things shifted also in your mind Mm. to I can really really do this and I can do it well that's amazing congrats and the final question one thing that you are most grateful for right now is my friends and family Mm. very cliche answer again but they were always with me through the pandemic they're still with me now um and I'm very lucky to have an incredible incredible supportive kind of network through my friends and family so yeah very very grateful for them yeah absolutely I don't think it's cliche at all I think if anything the pandemic has made us realize the value of those things more and more right Mm -hmm. thank you so much for those answers before we go for anybody who already doesn't know the answer to this if people want to find out more about you um, keep up to date with all of your next steps how can they do that best thing would be on instagram just type in lucy does law um or linkedin lucy cold will come up to amazing and i will link those in the show notes for everybody who wants to get in touch thank you so much lucy for taking the time today thank you for having me pleasure we made it if you stayed to this point thank you and I really hope you enjoyed the episode please don't forget to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts it really helps and I'm always super grateful for your support you can stay tuned with all of the law life balance updates at www.law-lifebalance.co.uk including the show notes and links to all of my wonderful guests and if you particularly like today's guest do follow them through their channels and reach out if you want more information I'll see you back here soon for the next episode of the Law Life Balance podcast.